Welcome to The Shift Show with Adriana Bucci. Join me every week to learn all about narcissistic abuse recovery, healing from physical and emotional pain after the abuse, and everything else to do with toxic people and how they affect your physical, emotional, and mental health. And no, you are not the crazy one. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. Let's get right to it. Welcome to episode number 32 of The Shift Show. This episode is an interview I had with Laura Benedetto. It's an amazing interview all about healing and doing the inner work so that you can, you know, be happy. Laura is a TEDx speaker and the number one best-selling author of the book, The Six Habits. And that book is linked in the description of this podcast episode. She's also a life mastery coach, and she teaches people how to create the life of our dreams without sacrificing what we love. She is a very successful entrepreneur. She actually retired at the age of 37, and she was named a 40 under 40 winner at only the age of 23. Upon retiring, she realized she was actually not that happy, though, even though she retired at 37. So she was super burnt out and unhappy, and she took a bunch of classes, workshops, books, coaching, etc. And she was still very confused and wondering why the personal development world had let her down and, you know, she couldn't solve the problem. She ended up doing her own radical journey of self-discovery, research, and testing, and she was absolutely determined to find energy and lasting, fulfilling happiness in all areas of her life. She ended up finding those answers to her questions that plagued her and so many of us. There is six of them, which is why her book is called The Six Habits, and she wrote a book about it and is sharing it with the world. She is devoted to sharing the universally applicable and deeply liberating truths that she discovered so that others may find their own path out of misery and into lasting, fulfilling happiness and limitless possibility. Um, I actually read the book and it is super empowering. It's not your typical self-help book on like, oh, do these things. No, it actually guides you on how to do the inner work. So I would strongly recommend you purchase the book. It's available at the link here. And, you know, I'm sure you will not be disappointed by what you learn from the book. So I will stop my rambling now and we will get right into the interview. Hey, Laura, thanks for coming on my podcast today. How's it going? So great. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate the chance to talk about great things. Awesome. I appreciate you being here to talk about great things. Why don't we start? Yay. Uh, yay. Why don't you give us a little intro on who you are and what you do, and then we'll, we'll talk about the great things. Sure. My name is Laura Benedetto, and I am the number one best-selling author of the book, The Six Habits. And I'm also a TEDx speaker. I am a CEO and world changer and person that likes to do all the things. I live on Maui with my husband and fuzzy children. And I do, in fact, like long walks on the beach. And I'm committed to making this world a happier one. Uh, no matter how weird the world is, it can be better. Amazing. And yep, the world is pretty damn weird, especially these days. True that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit about your book, The Six Habits. Sure. So the book is, a, it's a guidebook. It's filled with mm -hmm. practical tools that people can use 
to find happiness in a predictable formulaic fashion. Um, in 2018, I retired at 37, which feels like a notable achievement, except I felt like crap. I retired and it felt hollow. And honestly, I was just filled with shame because I hadn't done enough. I didn't make enough money. I wasn't as successful as some of my other friends. And, you know, I felt like just so much shame. And even though you retired, messed up. I know, believe me, what I'm saying to you still feels insane. Even though I've told the story several times now, it feels so insane. But like, I understand why I felt that way looking back because I had always chased success the way uh, culture tells us to, right? And I, I chased, you know, happiness, uh, you know, like chase, achieve, feel the high, feel the low and repeat. Mm -hmm. And it's a stupid merry-go-round. And I was on it. I bought into the whole hook, line, and sinker argument of like, you'll be happy if you buy this magical face cream. And you'll be happy if you have the fancy car. And make sure you have this handbag and you wear these clothes. And then, and then, and then. Make sure you're <laughs> successful and you have an impressive resume. And yada, yada, yada. Um, turns out that's all a lie. So by the time I retired, I had never done anything to actually fill up my heart and my soul with the things that truly mattered. So when it came to the subject of happiness, I had acquired the, a lot of, you know, symbols, I guess, of happiness, but not actual happiness. Mm -hmm. um, and it was pissing me off. So mm -hmm. I started on this crazy research project. I was like, well, turns out I'm the most stubborn human alive. So um, how can I actually predictably create happiness? And um, I know you're based in Toronto. I am originally from Massachusetts mm -hmm. um, in the United States. They, most people, I say they, the big they in the sky, mm -hmm. refer to Massachusetts people with an attitude like mine as mass holes. Um, I very much was a mass hole where it's like all practical, very gray, very black mm -hmm. and white, you know, just it is what it is. And like, I wanted to find the answer that my miserable ass could actually get some results out of. Mm -hmm. So I started researching, well, what is happiness? What, what does it mean? And how can one actually create it? Studying humans that actually are happy, unlike what I used to be. <laughs> Um, revealed like a collection of things that people habitually do in their mind. And it's not like meditation, although that's great. It's not flossing, also great. Highly recommend. Um, you know, the, the, the six habits are actually the things that people that are the very happiest do in their minds mm -hmm. every day automatically. Now, a habit is like, it's, it's an unconscious thing you just do, right? Mm -hmm. And people usually think of the things we do as, you know, flossing, coffee, smoky, drinking, positive or negative. It's a habit and you can see it. The habits that I found and the behaviors, they were all mental and they're invisible. Therefore, they don't seem to get enough credit. But the more I leaned into the research, I was like, oh my God, it, your happiness will not be determined by whether or not you go to the gym every day or whether you have enough vegetables. I mean, all good things, right? Mm -hmm. But like your happiness is actually determined by the thoughts that precede those things. Right. So I ended up fixing myself you know, to the point where I felt complete. Finally, I felt good. Finally, like super duper happy. And the book was a result of me getting such powerful results and sharing them with others and then getting results that I just, I had to share it with others. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Mission. Amazing. That's awesome. So what, uh, without getting too much into the book, what, uh, are the habits? <laughs> it is a fair question. Um, <laughs> so there's six of them. As noted by the title, yeah. <laughs> super creative, am I right? There's no bonus um, seventh habit. 
no, you know, maybe I'll get Franklin Covey to help me with that one. But um, <laughs> no, the, uh, the six habits are kindness to ourselves, mm-hmm. acceptance of ourselves, mm-hmm. gratitude for literally everything, including the bad stuff, presence, which is really hard these days, mm-hmm. goodness, which is, I imagine, where you're, you're going to want to take this conversation, mm-hmm. and intention. Intention is really all about what do you want, why do you want it, how are you going to make it happen? And all of these habits, they actually, they, they perform in harmony together and they basically create this epic recipe of your happiest expression of life. So if you were to master all six of these habits, nothing would be off limits to you. No acquisition, no business adventure, no dream would be out of reach for you because you have given yourself all the tools you need to make it happen. And the real tools, like I got to be honest with you, I like money. Money's great. Money's a tool. That's the kind of tools I'm talking about. If you don't have the internal drive, mm-hmm. um, you can't do it, right? It's but if, you ha- if you're constantly kind to yourself, you are like constantly pumping yourself up and you're, you know, you really truly unconditionally love yourself. You, you see the world through a lens of appreciation and respect and um, you're keeping you know, your feet on the ground with where things are and you're not allowing toxic crap around you and you're focused on your goals. Do you really think you're not going to achieve? Come on. It's true. So that's what I'm here to do is to show people how to actually step into the lives we deserve. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. And it's definitely easier said than done, right? Because it's not like you just decide to do it. It totally takes doing some kind of work. Um, on your part, right? It's some people like they think like, oh yeah, I'm just going to think positively and everything's going to be good. But what a lot of people don't realize. Or I'm going to manifest loads of money. No, you're not. Exactly. (laughs) No, you have to actually do the work. Like you have to do something. (laughs) Oh, totally. And you know what? Believe me, like I'm a big fan of like self-help books. I like them (laughs) and you know, (laughs) meditation. Well, yeah. So I suppose I'm a super big fan now, like, you know, but like, it doesn't matter like what you do. You can have a vision board or whatever, but mm-hmm. if, if you don't like actually back it up with the real like belief and the hardcore work to like develop the habit mastery of the things, mm-hmm. who cares? Like I can tell you right now, everyone listening to this podcast, you should read the book, but it's only the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. The beginning of any journey begins with awareness of the information. And I'm going to tell you the story of a tomato. It's really brief, right? <laughs> we all know a tomato is a fruit. applying that knowledge means we don't put it in a fruit salad. Right. That makes sense. Right. Like you can know about the habits. I just told you about them. You feel better yet? No, you have to actually apply them to your life. And the thing about habits, I did some research. So being the CEO of a marketing company, I'm probably 90 times more suspicious than most people. I see anything that smells like marketing. I'm like, lies, (laughs) lies, all looks like lies. And anyone's any, you know, anytime someone says like, oh yeah, you can build a habit in 21 days. Lie, told lie. by a marketer. Nope, 30 days. Also a lie, told by another marketer. Mm-hmm. They, they have a nice warm bench reserved for themselves in hell. And I, I hope <laughs> I don't have to go there one day, but you know, I've tried to do high integrity <laughs> marketing my whole life. But like the truth is important. So I started doing research. Turns out science says that humans form habits in 66 days. Hmm. So, you know, it's not awful. Like 
you can do 66 days. I built a 90 day program for myself. Other people can get in on, but that's where you actually master the habits. It's by doing it over and over. You want to learn to start flossing every day. Guess what you have to do? Consciously force yourself to floss every day. Mm-hmm. And after a couple months, days. you won't have to, you won't have to force yourself to do it mentally. You'll just reach for the floss without thinking. That's the point. You have to get yourself to be kind to yourself automatically, bring goodness into your life automatically, mm-hmm. be grateful for everything automatically without thought you got to go through that period. Right. It's useless without the work. Exactly. Exactly. So that would be like 66 days of figuring out how to be kind to yourself, how to be kind to yourself. And every day it's a choice. Yeah, exactly. And you live it by practice. Totally. Totally. And it's, it's something you have to actually practice. (laughs) You know, it's not like you're going to read a book and it's going to happen. You have to actually literally put that into practice. So I I love it. It's like, you can't read the book and be like, Oh, they're all better. It's like the whole, you know, thoughts and prayers things like, Oh, thoughts and prayers. Ah, all better. No, (laughs) you actually need to do something with it. Right. Love and light. Love and light. I feel so much better. Thanks. (laughs) Yay. Um, like it requires actual effort. So the, the whole 90 day thing that I built for myself was because I can't see me, Laura Benedetto, doing anything consecutively for 66 days mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. unless I really, really want to. So I had to build in a margin of error for myself because I'm still human and stubborn. Right. So I made it 90 days and it was just, you know, much easier for me to create something that still could create the success and the result I was looking for, but allow me to be my stubborn self that loves mm-hmm. to sabotage my own success like we all do. We all do. <laughs> yeah, girl. <laughs> <laughs> we totally all do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, man. So tell me about the goodness chapter. Sure. Goodness is, honestly, it's simple math. And I feel like this one is your jam. And mm-hmm. you are uniquely positioned to be able to help people with this particular habit. So goodness is simple math. Good energy in, bad energy out. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you can see where we're going to go here. Yep. Like the, the good energy in, like literally what is good for you and for your soul? Is it more people that you love? Is it more time with yourself, more time with your dog that snores in the middle of a podcast? Thank you, Bella. Um, is it like, is it more time um, spent away from work, more time working on your goals? Like what are the things that actually add and contribute to you? Right. You know, and this is so important. Um, So for years, being the hardworking executive, trying to build a company, blah, 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 I had a massive deficiency that I didn't even know about. I sucked at fun. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how to have fun or be fun. Um, And thank God I married the man that I did because he is fun in human form, which I really, really need. (laughs) But like, he reminds me to punch out. Like he's really kind of takes, taken me on adventures. It's like, well, I'm just going to stay home today. No, we're going to go for a hike in the mountains. Oh, that does sound more fun. Okay. <laughs> like we all need to add more things to our lives and we actually have to do it consciously. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the beginning, like after a while, when you develop the habit, like you're just like, oh, well, I haven't done enough to fill up my cup today. What do I got to do? Like, Mm -hmm. it just like, it's an automatic default for you to like, look for things. Right. But the other side of this habit is the removal of the harmful energy, which Mm -hmm. is toxic situations, things where it's causing you a lot of stress. Like the, the whole COVID stuff has really placed a lot of strain on families, on workplaces, on things, you know, that are largely out of our control, you know, and that can be very, very like causing like a lot of fight or flight feelings and can actually erode our health. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, in the case of dealing with like narcissists and whatever, you know, the person themselves, I mean, perhaps they themselves are not toxic, but their behavior sure is. And we need to be hyper mindful of like, Ooh, need the more good need to get rid of the bad because this is like, you, you, you can't, you can't be a truly productive, happy, joyful, like fully expressed person. If you have these mental anchors weighing you down. So true. It's so true. And if you can't set boundaries with these assholes in your life who are being toxic towards you and putting you down right. and everything, like you can't, what are you going to do? You can't just get out of that mindset and not have that mental anchor that is weighing you down. Yeah, exactly. I mean, shoot, I've dealt with toxic people's behaviors like for years and it comes in different forms. Like, you know, um, you know, I was, uh, in a situation where I was in love with an addict at one point, Mm -hmm. you know, it was not something he wanted to receive any sort of treatment for. And I found myself being codependent in response. Um, and it was just like, we co-created a toxic situation. Like he had a lot of things happen in his life that were really awful. You know, he was victimized when he was a young boy and it just manifested some real ugly crap in his head. Right. So it kind of made him toxic, but it doesn't mean he himself was toxic. Right. And like, ultimately that relationship ended because it was just taking such a toll on me. I was like, I don't even like who I am anymore. I'm so tired in this relationship all the time. You know, sometimes toxic things can happen um, at work. Maybe like a boss that just has major inferiority complex or like, God, I mean, there there are things that just are so hurtful everywhere. Totally. But we need to be aware. Exactly. Exactly. Without that awareness, you can't do anything about it. No. No, you can't. I mean, you know, a great example I, I experienced, I bet you you've experienced this too, is like when you have the friend that's going through something, mm-hmm. right? The friend has always been wonderful, loving, and it's been a 50-50 relationship and it hasn't felt toxic. But how do you like, how do you support your friend when they start to pull on you? Mm-hmm. How do you support your friend and support yourself when they're in such a state of grief and trauma and everything that they're looking at you as a therapist? Right. You know, you know right. this happens all the time. And it like, does. you see a lot of friendships that have endured for years come to a crumbling end because one person goes through something and the other person isn't equipped to lovingly set boundaries right. um, and enforce them and, and leave the other person's, you know, I guess, dignity and um, the friendship intact. Mm-hmm. That's so true. It's, it happens all the time. It really does. And, you know, a lot of the times people, they just, they don't know how to support the other person or the other person is expecting way too much from that friend in terms of support and without having those difficult conversations and setting those boundaries and, you know, establishing like, this is how I can help you or, you know, like I'm here if you want to listen and that's all I can do instead of like, I'm here to fix you and like not having that fixer mentality, which a lot of people have when they are in a codependent state, they just, they want to fix everything for everyone. And it's just not practical. Yeah, no, it's not. I mean, I actually remember being in a couple of relationships like this. And, you know, just I'm a bit of an introvert. I'm also empathic. I really strongly feel what others are feeling. And for my own selfish reasons, I want that person's pain to go away. And of course, I want to be their hero. It feels great. Mm-hmm. Except 
we, you know, need to remind ourselves, yeah, that's actually going to come at great personal cost to you. The juice may not be worth the squeeze. Maybe you should refer this person to a therapist, give them a big hug, bottle of wine, and we'll talk Mm -hmm. about lots of things, but let's not dwell because I'm not equipped, but I love you. Right. You know, none of this stuff is easy, but it's, it's important work that we have to do. And I got to be honest with you, like when I learned to set boundaries and I learned to really master the habit of goodness, I'll be totally straight up with you. It was a bit of an ugly process. Mm-hmm. Tell us I, about I, it. I, I messed it up. Yeah, yeah. sure. I mean, it's, it, it can totally be messy. Yeah. It was yeah. messy. It was painful. I, you know, sometimes handled boundaries like a bull in a China shop, which I don't <laughs> recommend by the way, like boundaries are not something you do to someone else. Right. Boundaries are basically just like, Hey, 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 these are the rules. Okay. And I love you. Like let, let's co-create something great here, nice. you know? And that took me some time to arrive at, but like, you know, since I like to seem to throw my poor husband under the bus, let's put some more tire tracks on his okay. back. Um, you know, he's a really fiery person. I am also a really fiery person. When we have some fights, it's like, dear Lord, get a helmet. Okay. It's, it can be um, interesting, shall we say. (laughs) Um, And I remember when I was early in the relationship with him, I just wanted so much for him to be happy with me. Mm -hmm. You know, he's my new husband. I'm crazy about him. Mm -hmm. He's cute, you know, and it's just like, he's fine. And I don't want him to be mad at me. And I remember actually feeling all, all, even though I'd already been through like that whole book, Codependent No More, which I highly recommend, like, even though I had already been through a lot of like self-reflection, I was being codependent again. Mm-hmm. Like, and I was like, God damn it. How do I stop doing this? And finding the courage to hold my boundaries and keep I guess like the rules of like how I wish to be treated and you know, what I need for me to really be my best self in the relationship. It didn't always go well. I didn't always express myself. We had a lot of knockdown drag outs, like, you know, but a lot of this process was a willingness to fight hard enough for the relationship mm-hmm. and, and fight and really advocate for um, a relationship being built the right way, mm-hmm. not from let me sacrifice myself and set my own shit on fire so you can feel better about yourself because you get to walk on me. No, I will be a better wife to you if my needs are actually honored and prioritized, even if they're not convenient to you. Mm -hmm. So you can work with them or not, but I must honor myself first. And, you know, we talked about this logically when we were not fighting and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. But sometimes when push comes to shove within any relationship, it's just not convenient or tidy. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, yeah, totally. And I love oh, that. You're, that you're married. You've been with your husband yeah. like a while and you've probably yeah. no doubt been through this yourself. Oh God. Yeah, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we actually the other day, literally, cause you know, with all this craziness with COVID, all the stuff that's happened over the summer that, you know, I've been through with like my, my narcissistic mother dying and everything. Like it's just been, we never really got to sit down and take inventory of like how we feel <laughs> like together. Mm. Yeah. So we actually, the other day, um, talked about it very respectfully, of course. And he was actually suppressing the stuff that he's been going through because he literally felt like 
I've been going through so much more than him, so he's not going to burden me. And I'm just like, you know, I had to actually tell him like, no, like you're not burdening me. Um, you know, like I'm dealing with my stuff, you do, do, you deal with your stuff, but it doesn't mean that like you don't deal with your stuff at all. So like, I'm obviously here and mm. you know, we actually need to talk this out. So we actually did and it went really well. And you know, like now, like there's definitely been like a huge shift in the relationship. Cause now it just, it feels more like we're having more fun together. We're doing more fun stuff, especially with all the crap and garbage that's been going on since you know the the year 2020 just in general as a year <laughs> and it's like you know it's um no one's perfect and sometimes we forget to check in with our significant other and you know it's it's a good thing to do that and have those check-ins and set those boundaries and like you know one of one of my i guess it wasn't really a boundary but he has the whole mentality of like trying to fix people. Right. And yeah. And so he would get frustrated with himself for not being able to fix me. And then that kind of turned into this whole conversation of like, you know, have you not learned anything from like my coaching situation (laughs) that it's not your job to fix me? Like, just, just, you know, like don't try and fix me and don't try and say something that's going to make me feel better. Just let me be how I am thing yeah it's totally a man thing it's like a men are from Mars thing it's like oh Martians would you stop trying to fix just listen right yeah and I feel like in a way that is a boundary like (laughs) (laughs) yeah like just setting the boundary of like don't try to fix me just let me be and like just be there for me and that's it and it made it it didn't make sense to him at first but then eventually Mm -hmm. it started making sense to him and it was like it was like night and day after he had that realization that like, oh shit, yeah, it's not my job to fix my wife because, you know, I can't feel her feelings for her. And, you know, like we're both under our own amounts of stress and that's okay. So just being okay with that. And, you know, it's, uh, yeah, like we, I, we just talked about it. Out. It's great. <laughs> well, you know, I think I think, you know, within the context of like the habit of goodness and like boundaries and stuff like that, like, you know, I I said, and I know obviously this is where you are, like boundaries is not something you do to someone, right? Right. It's, 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 it's like, it's just, these are like the rules, but the fun part is within a marriage, like I've always believed, I had a friend say this to me who ultimately turned out to be one of the most toxic people in my life. So yeah, gotta go. (laughs) Um, But this was a nice non-toxic thing he said is like, you know, a marriage is really just it's a country of two people and you guys are the king and queen and you can make the rules. And I'm like, that's true. That's very true. So, you know, um, my husband and I are like, you know, pretty similar in some respects, but also really different. Like Mm -hmm. I'll be like, Oh my God, this thing is going on. He'll be like, well, what about this? What about this? Stop trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. Just need you to listen. So (laughs) it's just been like good co-creation of like rules I guess the more we realize like oh this doesn't work I don't like it when you try to fix me I just want you to listen so that actually gives me an invitation to be like hmm well if I want to set him up for success I could just preface it by saying I don't need you to fix this but right. I really like to vent right now right are you cool are you are you able to do that and then it, if I preface it and I say this is what I need right now mm-hmm. I get what I need right now exactly. and it's like oh okay you know and then I then I get really articulate I need three hugs and two and a half kisses right now <laughs> you just That's put awesome. it in your order exactly. but like 
I find, I find that like so many situations don't actually have to be negative, toxic, you know, like harmful or taxing or any of those things. If we actually can just pre-frame them really well. And this is, I guess, where a lot of like the other habits come into play. If you feel a deep respect and abiding love for yourself, which is the habit of acceptance Mm -hmm. and it's unconditional, you won't feel like you don't deserve the things you ask for with someone that's mistreating you. You'll feel, you'll know you'll deserve it and you'll feel comfortable asking. If you constantly say nurturing, uplifting, kind things to yourself, like, wow, I believe in me. Yeah, I'm totally worthy of my dreams. Like I'm going to crush this today. Mm-hmm. You're also going to walk into a situation where it might be uncomfortable, be like, no, this is going to be a great outcome. I can totally just like co-create like rules of engagement with this person. You know, like using the friend example, be like, you know, my friend's in a difficult time, but you know, we care about each other a bit, like quite a bit. And there's no reason I can't love my friend and protect myself. Mm-hmm. I fully believe. And you just, you approach it from less of a perspective of being defensive and like, you know, trying to protect, 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 mm-hmm. and more of like, I honor you, respect you. And I also honor and respect me. Let's, let's, let's partner exactly. here. Exactly. You know? And it's up to that person if they do want to partner. Yeah. Right? Cause sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes it's going to be like just a straight up no, and they're not going to be happy about the fact that you're trying to set a boundary with them and that in itself is when you have that self-love you'll know immediately that like okay this is this is a person who's toxic and they don't care about my needs and all that in our relationship so you know I'm gonna love you from far away or you gotta go because you're too toxic and you know having that self-love to be able to do that Yes, exactly. I mean, like, if you don't have like a good constitution within yourself and you don't have the, like, even the, the road toward mastery of these habits, you're, you're not going to be capable of actually putting your foot down and being mm-hmm. like, no, actually your presence in my life is no longer necessary because you've flatly refused to honor my boundaries. And I love me enough Mm-hmm. to decide that you are no longer invited into my safe space. Exactly. I like, that's hard. I've done so it. I hard. mean, shoot, like the dude that gave me that, um, that interesting quote, smart guy, one of the <laughs> smartest people I've ever been friends with in my life, a heart of gold, but never went to therapy for the things that was bugging him. Right. And, um, you know, as a result, he had some really toxic traits and by and large, they were really not problematic, but after 12 years, of really, really tight friendship. He was Mm -hmm. like one of my dearest. Um, I actually had to terminate that relationship Mm -hmm. because it was very clear when I said, this is my boundary. You don't get to treat me this way, Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. In response to like some horrible behavior. The response was, yes, I do. Ooh, we're done here. Yeah. No, you don't. And if you don't agree that I deserve respect, I can't be in this anymore. Exactly. Screw that. It hurt and it sucked, but you know, it was the correct thing to do. That's, I've been saying this for years. How do you know it's the right thing to do? Does it hurt and feel like shit? Oh, good. Then it's probably the right thing to do. (laughs) Yep. It's so true. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It is so true. Yeah. That's, that's been interesting. But like, you know, the thing that I just want more than anything else is I want people to understand the purpose of these habits. Like it's not so you can be rich. It's not the point. Like rich is nice. It's just a tool. Like I've, I've had loads of money and I've had not loads of money and I definitely prefer the having versus the not having. But at the end of the day, like 
it doesn't matter. It's not about right. what you look like. It's not about any of that. It's not even about your, your husband or your wife or your children. It's literally about your journey through life. And yes. it matters, damn it. Like you're not here to be an indentured servitude to your children, your boss, your spouse, your clients, your this, your that. No, you are here for your own sovereign life. Exactly. That's, that's the whole, ba- that's the whole point. So it's if we so can true. like, if we can collectively decide to do this work, mm-hmm. we're going to be better as a civilization. And that's really mm-hmm. my goal. Like I want to reach, I'm not kidding. I want to reach 1 billion people with this message. And I want to remind everyone of one important fact. These six habits are all things that we were born with. Mm-hmm. We were all born with them, but being grown ups and decorum and pleasing yeah. our parents and our teachers and everything else, it basically taught us to put ourselves last. It's true. And being anything remotely selfish is bad. It's so true. And so it's not selfish. Happens. Doing this no. work is, it's not selfish at all. If anything, it's selfless. It is because you can be a better parent if you learn to love yourself better. And you yep. know what? Poor mommy ain't going to throw her under the bus. I'm going to give you mm-hmm. such a great example only because I've talked with her about it. She knows. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> so for years as a little girl, she would say, Lara, you're so beautiful. You're so pretty. Look at those cute little freckles and your pretty curly hair and blah, blah, blah. That's what she said. Mm-hmm. But then what she did is she would look in the mirror. She'd always say how bad her hair was. She'd always say how fat she was. Mm-hmm. She looked like shit, blah, blah, blah. And I did the whole do as I do, not do as I say. Right. Because that's what kids do, right? So I learned to be on a diet for 20 years. Wow. I learned to hate what I look like. I hate, I learned to hate every little cellulite dimple on my ass, which, sorry, most women have it. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, it just is what it is. Like I learned that being one pound overweight made me unworthy of love. Like I learned these things and, and I wish not that I could go back in time and fix me, but I wish I could go back in time. And I wish I could give these gifts to my mom when she was a young girl, because she never would have learned to hate her body. She never would have learned to like constantly condemn herself. Mm -hmm. And as a result, I couldn't have learned it because where would have gotten that lesson from? No, my, my goal with all of this, I want to reach the billion people. And I really believe it starts with parents. Yes. Yeah. Like someone has to break that cycle of just it's generational trauma because the parents, they learn it from their parents. They learn it from their parents. And realistically, if you think about it, the way civilization was like 150 years ago, like, you know, it was, it was a disaster. Like, did we even have running water back then? Right. So imagine like the trauma they went through and Mm -hmm. that translates to their children and, you know, your parents don't have to be like raging narcissists for you to be affected negatively by them. Right. Like not at all. Well-meaning like, you know, there's, there's parents out there who they love their kids. Like, you know, like the story about your mom, she obviously loved you and you know, she just had issues with herself and you pick those up as a result. And it's unfortunate. And at least you're, you're the cycle breaker, right? So totally too bad. I don't have kids. Yeah, God, this would be revolutionary. Know, right? Same, um, <laughs> same here. I'm all, I, I'm exactly the same way. It's like trying, it just didn't work right. out that way. But. Exactly. This I've been like, yay, I'm the cycle breaker. I'm not going to pass this on to future generations. But then it's like, wait a minute, I'm not having kids. I don't want them. <laughs> My cat is going to feel super good about himself. Exactly. I know that. Like, exactly. My dog's self-esteem. Right? <laughs> yeah. 
It's, you know, it, the generational pain point is really, really important because like my mom, she learned these things from her mom of course, and, her, and, and she learned them from her upbringing and so on and so on. I mean, exactly. I know you know about the mother wound and things like that. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just this whole like generational thing that actually can die. And it doesn't mean the lineage of the family has to die, but perhaps the pain that's been passed down generation yeah. into generation has to like, I mean, even just in the last like a hundred years or so, like we've seen dramatic shifts in how civilization looks at women's role in the world. Like, you know, and it's hard for women and men to keep up with all these changes. It is. Mm -hmm. And some people have not kept up. They're just like, nope, I like this belief system. I'm going to stick with this. Women belong in the kitchen, barefoot and pregnant. (laughs) Okay. Other women, you know, need to be like June Cleaver and like, you know, perfectly pressed dress, making dinner every night before the husband gets home and she massages his feet and gives him a blowjob after dinner. Like, you know, and then you got other people that, you know, that believe that women belong in uh, the Oval Office and running the country. I mean, all of these beliefs are, are running amok because we as a culture don't actually have one consistent belief. And if we can really come down to a place of we as humans, regardless of what squishy bits exist between our legs, um, <laughs> are valuable, worthy, lovable humans that are infinitely capable, we stop seeing other genders and other people and other ideas as threats. Exactly. You know, like people have been threatened by other races, other genders, other sexualities and things like this because of fear. People are always afraid of what they don't understand. Right. And, um, but one of the best ways to get rid of the fear of that is to fortify yourself. Mm-hmm. You want to be a better person, you, you, you can start with just healing, nurturing, loving the little version of you that's still inside you, like a little five-year-old that's yeah. in there. That inner you know? child, it's, it's screaming at you, whether you like it or not, until you heal it, it's going to keep mm-hmm. running your life. It's going to keep running your life through fear and the old patterns and behaviors and conditioning that you were brought up with. And until you actually do something about it, it's going to keep running your life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, I was actually saying to my husband earlier, cause he's learning about a new business and, you know, he's never done business as like an executive before. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of things he's been through in his life, but also a lot of things he's been through repeatedly. Mm-hmm. We all have. And I was just like, you know, babe, we're doomed to repeat the lessons until we actually learn them. Yeah. That's so and true. Like, Damn it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, but it's true. And, and, you know, that's the thing is like, we, we have infinite power inside of us and, we forget it. Mm-hmm. We forget. Or, you know, we, we shy away from doing the work on something because it's uncomfortable. But what if we knew for concrete fact, if I do this work, it will be uncomfortable for three months. And after three months, I will begin to feel better. The work will be easier. Exactly. And I will feel more capable than I've ever felt in my life. Like people want like concrete timelines mm-hmm. and that's the crappy part about self-work. It's all a bunch of, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so it makes a lot of people not want to get involved because it's like, oh, this could hurt for two years. Mm-hmm. This could hurt for five years. This mm-hmm. could hurt for five days. Like you don't know. And that's the thing. You literally don't know how long it's going to take, but what brought you to this point of seeking out doing this self work and, you know, 
doing some sort of inner work, looking at the self-help section on Amazon, whatever it is that brought you here, that in itself was painful, right? So it's like, do you want the rest of your life to go on that same route of pain? Or do you want a little bit more temporary discomfort, some more pain for like, you know, not that long, but then you have the rest of your life ahead of yourself? Well, yeah. I mean, I like the way you put that. It's really... I mean, it's, it's a choice really. It's like, you're going to continue to suffer one way or another. Would you like to get it over with? And you know, the thing that I have found actually is the duration of the struggle we endure when we decide to work on it is not directly proportional to the size of the problem. Yeah. It's actually directly proportional to the desire to solve it. Exactly. So, you know, just using the, the six habits as a really tangible right here in front of us example, if you discover you know, you read the book, you, you look at that, do, you know, the exercises that are free that in the workbook that you get with it. Um, if you do that and you discover, well, shoot, I'm actually really good at three of these, but I'm really, really not so great at three of these. Uh, I really want to work on those. Okay. Um, if you hem and haw and complain and piss and moan and you don't really lean into it. Yeah. It's going to suck. It's going to be long and it's going to mm-hmm. be whiny and blah, blah, blah. Usually things are worse when we run from them. But That's if you true. run into it and just like, this is going to suck, but I, I can do this. Like mm-hmm. you know, I, I, when I was writing this book, I, I was in pain. So I wrote this mm-hmm. book, you know, as a result of the 90 day, everything. And I did all this to solve my own pain. One of the biggest challenges I had to overcome was acceptance. I didn't accept myself. I did not unconditionally love myself. Shit. No. Right. And facing myself and having that moment of truth was liberty. Mm -hmm. I realized, wow, I do not accept myself, but I really, really want to. I'm going to learn and I'm going to do the work and I'm going to understand why I don't accept myself. Then I will be able to rapidly and with as little pain as possible, start moving into mastery of acceptance. And it's literally just one decision at a time and like one, one little moment and, and, and belief and thing you say to yourself and Mm -hmm. whatever, like even just looking in the mirror and just be like, you know, 10 pounds overweight, you get a couple extra dimples in your ass. It's like, cool. I'm still worthy of love more cushion for the pushing. It's all good. Like versus, Oh my God, I need to cover up. I'm so hideous. Like, how is that helping you? It's not helping your sex life. And it's certainly not helping you go to the beach wearing what you want. Like it's like all this crap robs you of joy. And when you begin to like unpack it, it, it's like, once you start to like actually look at the thing, you're like, wow, this is so stupid. Why do I keep choosing this? So true. I don't have to. Bye. So nope. I think I'm going to pick acceptance. That feels better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And it's one baby step at a time. And it might be like, you know, some people might be listening to this and like thinking, oh my gosh, I don't know how I'm going to be able to accept myself. And here's the thing, you're not going to accept yourself overnight if you're currently in a state of like, you don't accept yourself whatsoever, right? It's, you have to do, like, you have to take little steps towards getting to that point. And then once you get to that point, that's when you realize, oh my gosh, I've been worrying about this for no reason. But Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you're going to get there overnight. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, listen, I'll be perfectly candid. Like it's 90 days. It's not one day. Right. Exactly. And the, the whole 90 day experience. No day one, you're, 
if you if you if you start day one feeling like a festering shit heap, you're probably going to finish day one feeling that way too. You know, but maybe slightly better. But like, that's what the purpose of time does. Is it helps to rewire your brain and be like, oh, mm-hmm. that's cross circuited. Nope, that doesn't go plugged into that. Let's rewire, exactly. and you you build new mental habits where you automatically learn you know, like new things, you automatically choose better thoughts and whatever. And like, you know, I set this up in such a way that I wanted other people to really gain the mastery and set themselves free and raise their children to be happier kids and change civilization, you know? Mm -hmm. And it it starts with, you know, read the book, learn about the habits and then get the practical tools so you can begin to apply them, right? right? In the book, there's a million invitations to go download all the free workbook stuff. It's all free. Mm -hmm. And these are things that actually unpack how you, the human, can begin to actually master this stuff. It starts with awareness, always Mm -hmm. starts with awareness. Pick a simple recipe for making like anything, any cake you want starts with a recipe. Pick a, the recipe for building the happy you starts with a recipe. It's the same so thing. So you start there, you know, you'd read the book, become aware of it, become aware of yourself. And then you begin your habit mastery journey. That, that's, that's it. It's not complicated. And, and this is the crazy part. The six habits are not the point mm-hmm. at all. You are the point. Exactly. They're simply a means to an end. It's so true. It's oh. so true. That self-love and coming, it's coming back to yourself. Like that's, that's how I see all types of inner work. It's coming back to yourself, yeah. having that relationship with yourself and understanding that you are so much more than the shit you've been conditioned with throughout your life. Whether yeah. that's from family, from society, from both, you know, it's yeah. more than it's that. Awakening, you know, of sorts, because yes. like, you know, like, well, this is the easiest contextual example I can think of. Think of Santa Claus, right? <laughs> At some point, you know, if you were told the Santa Claus story when you were a kid, you woke up and you realized, right, uh, this doesn't really add up, right? right? But until you actually had some sort of evidence, like grandpa's scratchy handwriting or this and that on the Santa mm-hmm. notes and dad, why do you have crumbs in your beard? Like, you know, you start to like put two and two together, like then you make your own decisions and like, oh, it's actually not what you said. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the same is true of the, the stories and BS we've been telling ourselves for years. Like, you know, we'll, we'll construct the story in our minds. I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I am a loser. I can't do anything. You know, life sucks. It's easy for other people, but it's always hard for me. And tomorrow the country's going to be on fire and we're all going to die and you know, I can't do anything and I have no idea what I want in life. And, you know, my mom is such a bitch and blah, blah, blah. Woe is me. Right. Mm -hmm. If this is the story you're telling yourself, it begins with like understanding, okay, why did you tell yourself that? Right. Why? You know, how were you trying to protect yourself by telling yourself that? And then what is it that's actually there? Mm -hmm. Do you have the courage to see the actual truth? Like, is it maybe that you just have a really, really shitty self-esteem? Mm-hmm. Could it be that? Is that fixable? Yeah. Yeah. As the world's most stubborn human being, yeah, it's fixable. If I can do it, anybody can. <laughs> yeah. If I could do it, anybody can too. <laughs> it's so yeah. true. Yeah. It's. But you know, the trick is you just have to want to. Um, exactly. Do you know who Gretchen Rubin is? That um, author. No. She wrote like the Happiness Project. She, she there was this great book. You should check it out. It's um oh god uh the four um. It was like the four personalities or something like that. It was okay. like, um, it was a way that people respond to expectation, right? Yeah. You know, there's the, um, 
uh, there's the people that like, they, uh, they respond really well to expectations that they set for themselves mm-hmm. and that others set for them. Then there's the people that, you know, they have one, but not the other. Then there's the folks like me that I don't respond to other people's expectations. Well, oh, you want me to do that? That's nice. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you want me to do that on time? That's cute. Adorable. <laughs> it's really bad though, because I say, I'm going to do that. I'm going to eat well today. Bullshit. 5 p.m. comes and out comes the cookies. Like, mm-hmm. I do not respond to any expectations really well unless I deeply want it. Right. You know, the four tendencies, that's the name of the book. So um, um, I'm what she calls a rebel. Oh, baby, am I a rebel? <laughs> goes hand in hand with the whole stubbornness thing. But like, you know, as a rebel, like I understand how deeply you have to want something before that's it's ever going to work. You have that's to true. believe that it's actually possible for you. And I guess at the beginning of this journey, when I was writing the book and doing all this research into happiness and habit and finding all this crazy stuff, I guess somewhere in there, I decided, yep, I want that bad enough and it's close enough. I'm going for it. Mm-hmm. We all need that moment, by the way, or it's never yes. going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. Like, yeah, I think I probably identify as stubborn too and a rebel. <laughs> That's why I like you so much. Yeah. Aw, shucks. <laughs> but uh yeah I definitely for me to even touch doing the inner work I had to be extremely desperate for things in my life to change and that was my motivator desperation had to be my motivator and it was because of chronic pain which you know that's that's a whole nother story but that was literally I would have never changed shit about my life if I wasn't at that point of desperation that's exactly where I was too. So I guess uh, I'm going to be the interviewer here for a second. Um, what do you think are the best ways for people to create that deep, like unavoidable, undeniable desire if it's not currently there, if, does, if uh, desperation is absent? That's a, that's a tough one to answer. Because <laughs> I mean, I guess if you don't have that desire right? There has to be something that's going to motivate you. So I just think, you know, like how much are you suffering and how much more do you need to suffer? And some people, they need to suffer more, you know? And it's not like, it's not like you're making a choice to suffer, right? Like for me, in my case, it's not like I was actively choosing to be in this pain and deciding like, I'm going to keep suffering because I had no idea there was a way out of it. But I think what a lot of people in my case who are you know, super stubborn and, you know, rebel and whatever, and your case too, if you don't have that desire, if you don't have that desperation yet, maybe you haven't suffered enough. And then at some point, there's going to be some sort of life event that happens, or you're going to reach a point of suffering where it's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Um, You know, because for me, like, I was at a point where I was just like, okay, like, I don't want to see my 40th birthday. And I was 30 at the time. And that's, that's how bad my pain was. That's, that's how my desperation started. Um, And that's when I stumbled upon all of this stuff. And yeah, for me, it was just like a sheer desperation and I needed to suffer more. So if I didn't have, you know, trigeminal neuralgia, which is nicknamed the suicide disease because of how painful it is, that was like one of the final types of pain that was slapped onto me after having migraines, TMJ dysfunction, et cetera. If I didn't have that trigeminal neuralgia to cause me to suffer more, I would have never, you know, been open to the idea that like we can do inner healing work to heal not only 
our traumas mm. and from our childhood, but our physical bodies as well. So I think, mm. you know, if there's no desire, you just have there's to phrase out there. Sorry? There's a phrase out there that I think will probably put a nice bow on that. It's um, when the pain of staying put is um, outweighs the, the pain of movement, exactly. that's when you'll do something. Exactly. And I think, I think it is difficult for us to manufacture an artificial desire or something. It's nice to want something like mm-hmm. a little bit like, oh, that would be nice. I think um, I think I have an idea towards it. It's not necessarily like... Um, the, the holy grail of solutions. But I think if we wanted at least enough to start to define it a little more right, and, and make it feel more tangible, I think, I think more people would be willing to do the work because um, I think a lot of the reason why I said no to myself and you said no to yourself is because we think that, you know, the journey will be too arduous or mm-hmm. it's intangible or other people get those things, but we don't. And it just feels so like alien and not mm-hmm. worth it. And it's never going to happen. And I got to be somebody else and fuck that. Like it's, yeah. you know, we just feel like it's not in the cards for us. But then if we can actually articulate what it would look like, actually maybe even just be tentatively begin the journey and put dip a toe in the pool, maybe that would be enough to be like, shit, I can have this. Mm-hmm. You know, like this isn't for other people. This is for me. Exactly. Others can have it too, but like worry about yeah. them. Like I, oh my God, I actually get to have this. I mean, that was probably one of the pivotal things that happened all this, you know, like I didn't have, um, you know, the disease that I don't think I can pronounce that you have. Um, <laughs> like you said it a couple of times. I'm like, huh? That's not the first time she said that. Neuralgia. Uh, that, <laughs> that one. Yeah. yeah. That. I don't have that. It's, it's just um, nerve pain on the side of your face. <laughs> so like extreme, extreme nerve pain. Yeah. <laughs> so when I retired, I was so stressed out from years of always chasing the wrong crap. Right. Um, you know, trying to, you know, he who finishes with the most toys wins. Not yeah. really. Um, when I retired, girl, I was bleeding internally. Oh my God. I was so stressed out. Like, and I was like, so let me get this straight. I traded my health for wealth, which is the wrong kind. And I, mm-hmm. I got it wrong. And my new husband and I are fighting already. And my friends probably don't want to hang out with me that much because I'm being such a toxic bitch. Mm-hmm. And now I've retired and I don't have this jobby job to go to. And I don't have all the status that goes with the role. Great. Now what? And it was the now what that got me really just like I don't know, just got me like quiet and contemplative and just like really sick of my shit. I was like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm done. Okay. No, mm-hmm. no, I don't care. And even like moving, I moved um, a year ago to Hawaii. I was living in Massachusetts prior. Um, I was able to shed so much of myself and getting rid of half of my belongings because I actually realized I bought all these clothes because I thought other people would accept me. And I had all of these pretty things that I don't actually care for because I thought if people came in my home that they would think well of me. And I was never grateful for this. And I never used that and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, I built my whole life within this gilded false prison. Yeah. That's fucked up. It is. Yeah. So I kind of therapized myself. Yeah. You actually (laughs) had that coming to God moment where you're like, this is fucked up. I need to do something about it. That's, that's, I think we all need it. I mean, I I sincerely wish looking back, I could have come to it sooner. I mean, it's not like I didn't try. Like Mm -hmm. I read loads of self-help books and I read 
um, you know, articles and I went to retreats. I mean, there's a beautiful um, retreat center out in uh, Massachusetts, Kripalu. It's like world, world renowned. And I lived like two hours from there. So I'd go there and I would do this and that. And I would learn about spirituality. I would exercise. I was like dieting and taking care of my body and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, I just continued to feel like crap no matter what I did. I just, I don't know what it was that wasn't clicking for me, but it was clearly the application of the wisdom and the profound realization. This particular wisdom is not present in application form in my life. And that is the core reason why I continue to suffer. This has nothing to do with me meditating, praying, um, you know, doing vision boarding, like Mm -hmm. listening to affirmation tapes, blah, 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 blah. It has nothing to do with that. It's like the core ingredients in my recipe were all the bad ones. Yeah. You know? And then when I realized for me, I mean, doing the research, I'm just a curious little bugger. Um, Doing the research actually for me is what set me free because I realized that, you mean it's just six habits? That's it? That's it? Like they they sound wicked simple, right? And then I was like, oh, I have to apply them. Right, right. Oh, that's where it gets hard because I have to deal with myself. Okay. You have to do stuff now. (laughs) But it's like, honestly, if you had met me a couple of years ago, I don't think you would like me a heck of a lot. I didn't like me a heck of a lot. Um, I didn't like myself a few years ago. <laughs> fair enough. We could have fought it out. Yeah. Um, um, but it's nice to finally be in a place where I deeply, truly love me. And mm-hmm. I bet you, you're feeling the same place. Totally. Yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I'm so happy. No, I love that. I mean, this is the thing that like, I wish my younger self had, you know, yeah known, you know, like I've gotten the question several times, what would you say to your 19 year old Mm -hmm. self? I probably would have sat that smart ass bitch down and be like, listen, Mm -hmm. you think success is this. It's actually that. If you want to be richer, do that. If you want to be happier, do that. You want to have a happier marriage, do that. You want to have more sex, do that. And it's all the internal stuff. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Oh my God. You know, because Oh yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, why do people even want to start conversations with like you or me? You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I want to be happier. I want, I want less stress. I want more money. It's usually like, I want more of something or less of something. Right. Meanwhile, your recipe, my recipe is kind of the same. You must work on you. And that is how, like, you must become more in order to have more. Exactly. The answer is always you. Right. Like it's, how you relate to you, how you feel about you, it all comes down to you. It doesn't matter, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like what I deal with a lot is other people that sabotage the you, whoever it is that I'm speaking to, right? Because they've dealt with narcissistic abuse, et cetera. But what a lot of people don't realize is healing from that as well requires you to work on you. And never mind those people, right? Because it's all about setting boundaries with them, going no contact with them, whatever, um, depending on whatever the situation is. And ultimately, like you can do all the things that you need to do to deal with a narcissist. You can set the boundaries, you can gray rock them, you can go no contact, whatever it is. But until you actually do the work on you and come back to yourself and figure out how to love yourself, Mm -hmm. you're still susceptible 
to that kind of abuse. And it's the exact same thing with, you know, your case when you retire at a very young age and you think that all these things that you're chasing are going to make you happy. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden you realize you're not happy after you have that end result. It all comes down to you and working on that relationship with you. So you are the answer to your issue. Oh my God. It's so true. Like, you know, a friend of mine is uh, always saying, um, everywhere I go, there I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. How we do <laughs> one true. thing is how we do everything. Sure. How many more bumper stickers you got in your head? <laughs> but like, you know, honestly, like even a tangible example, if you're not like anyone listening is really not into like the whole, like, you know, journey of self, blah, blah, blah. needs a more like maybe pragmatic example. Um, I remember going through sales training. And I remember always looking for what's the magic sentence? What's the magic angle? What's the right strategy, right? Mm -hmm. But it turns out it's none of these things. Mm -hmm. If you want to sell, you're going to understand the rules of engagement, right? But you're going to be able to navigate them regardless of what words you use because you understand like the spirit of how to sell, right? And, And that was the thing. And, you know, in my core, I am an unbelievable salesperson because I don't sell. And sales training, oddly enough, is to teach you how to sell more stuff. But if you truly get it, like you get to like Master Shifu levels of like sales training, you understand the way to sell is not to sell, but to serve, mm-hmm. you know? And the only way that you can get that is by going up all 17 levels of working on yourself and really developing this incredible mastery and knowledge and whatever. And at some point you put all that away because it doesn't matter. It becomes a result of the transformation of yourself. And that's why people will buy from you. It's the same thing why people will respect boundaries or adopt habits or anything. It's mm-hmm. all self. It's so true. It's so true. It's, it oh, really we're speaking is. the same language. This makes yeah. me happy. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's, that's, it's so true. It is all self. So, um, do you have, we're going to, I'm going to put the link to your book in the description of this podcast episode and everything, but um, do you have any final words of advice to anybody listening to this who might be struggling with, you know, either toxic people in their lives or, you know, trying to make more money or just trying to be happier? Yeah, absolutely. So um, for anyone that's lazy and doesn't feel like looking at the show notes, it's the six habits.com. <laughs> the word six is spelled out the T H E S I X habits.com. You can also find my book on Amazon. I'm there. My Ted talk is there the whole nine yards. It's amazing. Let's connect and do all the things. But in terms of the advice, the advice would be this, give yourself some stillness, right? Give yourself mm-hmm. some stillness and think about what do you really want? What do you, you know, take away the obligations and the fact that you got to do the laundry, you make the kids dinner and you you gotta, you gotta, you gotta Mm -hmm. take all that away, lock yourself in the bathroom with some chocolate and wine if you have to. And just think for a minute, if I could design my life in any conceivable way, Mm -hmm. what would I design? Forget what you already have, right? And then start to get really clear on that. Chances are, it's probably including a lot of the parts that you already have, but would they be better? Would you be getting along with your spouse or your loved ones better? Would you have a better relationship with your kids or, you know, your parents or whatever? Would you be getting hurt less or would you be in a different country? Would you be speaking a different language? Like what is the most ideal expression of your life? Mm -hmm. Think about that and then closely evaluate how far you are from it. 
does it bother you? Mm-hmm. Does it bother you that you're like so, so, so far off from where you are, right? If it does, then you might actually be in a place where you're willing to do something about it, mm-hmm. you know? And, and really it begins with awareness. Like, you know, I talked briefly about all the six habits. We talked about goodness here more. I mean, there is a whole book on the subject, so there's that. But like <laughs> the thing about... The thing about all of this stuff is it's, it's nothing more than an invitation. All the tools right. I've built, the book I've written, all that other stuff, I can't do the work for you. I can't like unscramble the egg for you. I can't mm-hmm. do that. You have to want it. And the, to decide if you want it or not is to actually just take inventory of your life. Right. Start there. It's so true. It's so true. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, sharing, you know, the six habits with us. And, you know, I would recommend to anybody listening to this who wants to get somewhere on their healing journey, get the book. It's linked below. And this has been such an amazing conversation. Thanks so much again, Laura, for being here and sharing all that with us. Truly a pleasure. This has been so fun.